Good, amen. Let's take our Bibles tonight, and uh, we're going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, we, uh, of course, just uh, January, excuse me, on my <coughs> voice for a little bit, and I think I maybe overdid it on my favorite hymn back there, amen? And, uh, but you, you heard the roller coaster part, right, as we sang that? So that's why I liked it as a kid, but I still like it, amen? Uh, but um, uh, the month of January... Uh, of course, uh, we did a stewardship, some messages on stewardship. Uh, February was Mission Emphasis Month, and so we're praying this week about what direction to go for our Sunday night messages starting here in March, and uh, I struggled a little bit trying to figure out the direction the Lord wanted me to go, but then yesterday when I was in the office, uh, the Lord kind of uh, uh, put something on my heart, something on my mind, and um, so um, chapter 3, and uh, begin Ending in verse 1. If you find your place, stand with me together for the reading of the Word of God. And I want you to notice the first phrase in verse 1 of chapter 3. Notice what he says, this know also. So there's some things God wants for us to, listen, not wonder about, not think about, but to know. Okay, to know. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And that's all we're going to read right there. We'll read more in just a minute. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would bless us tonight. I pray that you'd speak to our heart tonight through the preaching of your word. We thank you for it. God, thank you for the great service we've had already. Uh, Lord, as we've, uh, I pray we've brought glory and honor to you, Lord, by the songs we've sung to you, God. And Lord, I know I sure have felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I pray now that as we begin to uh, preach your word, that you would help me, Lord, to preach with uh, uh, your mind. Lord, help me to strengthen with your power. I pray, God, if someone's not here tonight, or if someone's here tonight's not saved, that you would work on their hearts so they would accept you. I pray that you'd help us as Christians to allow the word of God to change us and help us and make us what you'd have for us to be. We love you and thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, man. Proceed now, what's interesting about Second uh, Timothy chapter three? Um, it obviously is very close to our theme verse, or uh, for the year, Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-one. In fact, truth be told, it's all within the same context. And so, even though uh, this is kind of maybe a different um, uh, series of what we kind of been uh, preaching on Sunday morning, truth be told, it all ties together because it's all within the same handful of verses. But what I want you to notice, again, is what he says there in verse 1, this know also. There are certain things that God expects for his, uh, his people uh, to know. Now, what I want, I want to show you is, is the context of this, because let's keep reading verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And uh, folks, listen, I don't have to tell you this, although I say it often to kind of remind you so that you will be reminded of it and you would think about it often. But we, as the Church of Jesus Christ in 2023, we are living in the last of the last days. Okay? Now, we need to be prepared, and as the Bible says here, know how to live in the last days. We need to know how to do that. In fact, I want you to take uh, your Bible, flip back a couple pages to 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, I love preaching and teaching on Bible prophecy. And uh, I, uh, it's been a while since I've done some of that. I've mentioned a few things here and there. Uh, but I, I extra time that I have, I listen uh, to a lot of sermons and podcasts about end-time things that interest me. I like that. And uh, uh, so uh, this isn't necessarily going to be a series of end-time messages like you think it would be. 
but it is going to be uh, some things that will help you. In fact, here's the title of the messages I'm going to bring. It's called this, The Mindset of the Last Days. The Mindset of the Last Days. And I'm not just talking about the mindset uh, of the church, amen. I'm talking about what's going on out there so that we can understand what we're encountering, what we're dealing with, so that then, yes, we can have the right mindset as we're ministering to people, amen. Because that's the thing, folks. Listen, God has allowed us to live in this uh, time and uh, in, in this uh, last of the last days. And listen, I, I, I'm glad I get to live in this time, to be honest with you. I get it. I know it's perilous time. And I know all the different things. But man, what exciting days, amen, to be, uh, be involved now in trying to reach as many people as we can before that trumpet sounds. And I believe that's where we're at. I believe that's what's happening. And so all that to say, as a church of Jesus Christ, we need to have the right mindset, amen? And the reason we need to have the mindset well, let me show you here. I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm really excited about preaching this. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4. Now, what we see here, the context of this, if your Bible has a heading of a, uh, uh, and tells you kind of what the chapter is about, you'll see at the beginning of chapter 5 where it says the day of the Lord. So again, we're referring to times referring to when the Lord is coming again. And he talks about different things in verses 1 through 3. For sake of time, I'm not going to read that. But verse 4, again, notice here the pattern. But ye brethren, okay, he's talking to the church, amen. Ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. So here's what he's saying. He says, look, the last days are, uh, there's going to be a time when the, they, they come upon the world. And you know, uh, some people may not know what's going on, but he's saying here, here's who ought to know what's going on, and that's the church of Jesus Christ. Right. Because we're not in darkness, and that day should not overtake us as a thief. Amen? Yeah. Now, we know Jesus is going to come as a thief at the rapture. It's an unsigned event. It's, it's imminent. It could happen at any time. But because we are, verse 5, you are children of light, and the children of the day, and we're not, in, we're not of the night, nor of darkness. And then he says this in verse 6, Therefore let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. The reason it's not going to overtake us as a thief, because you know what? We're not asleep. Amen? We're not slumbering. We are spiritually aware of what's going on around us. And that's the point of these messages I'm going to bring to you. I want you to be spiritually aware of what's going on. Amen? Listen, folks, if there's ever a time you need to know your Bible and be in your Bible and tuned in with God and filled with the Spirit of God, it is the day and age we're living in. Amen? Listen, come on. If you knew your, if, if, if you know, if you believe that you're about ready to see Him before too long, don't you want to be the best you've ever been? I mean, come on, folks. Uh, I keep saying it, and it sounds like a, a maybe a little bit of a cheesy saying, but but listen, folks, we got to hit it and get it till Jesus comes. Amen? And listen, now's the time to pull out the stop. Now's the time to go full out as hard as we can, as long as we can. Because, listen, I believe we're going to be that generation that sees our king. Now, because of that, if you're going to do that, you got to have the right mindset. And so that being said, I want to teach you some things that are going to go that, that that are going to be prevalent here in the last days. So take your Bibles. Let's go over to Romans chapter one. Now I didn't read those verses to you in First Timothy chapter three for sake of time, but when it talks about the perilous times, 
and begins naming the different things that are going to be happening in the perilous times. A parallel passage with that is over here in Romans chapter 1. It's a parallel passage. It goes hand in hand. And so what I'm going to show you is some things here that uh, the Apostle Paul identified here to this church of Rome uh, some 2,000 years ago. And yes, these things were going on then, no doubt about it. But I'm going to tell you right now, these things have prevailed and are very prevalent in the day and age we're living in. These are some things that are we see all around us. And again, as God's people, we need to be spiritually aware. Remember, we're not asleep spiritually. Amen? We're spiritually aware of what's going on. And we need to see what's going on so that we can know how to be the most effective we can be to reach people. All right? Now, here's what I want you to see here. And here's the first thing we're going to look at, the, the, the mindset of the last days. And uh, we're going to just take a few moments tonight, look at this one, and uh, maybe, uh, Lord willing, next week we'll, we'll spend a little bit more time on some of the other ones. But we see it here, right at the beginning of Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Let's read a couple verses here, verse 18 uh, through, uh, verse 18 through 21. Notice what it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that, with, that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were faithful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Let me tell you what you see summed up in verses 18 through 21. And this is what we're seeing in our day and age. Uh, we are seeing a rise of atheism. A rise of atheism. And I don't believe this has just started within the last five to ten years. This is something that's going on, particularly in America. It's been a systematic plan. You can start looking back in the previous decades, and you can start seeing the things that Satan introduced into our American culture that started uh, uh, getting this mindset going for the people. Truth be told, it started all the way back. I mean, uh, uh, you know, if you want to start uh, charting it all the way back to the early 1900s, and uh, I mean, listen, folks, the sins of the day that uh, we think are new to our day, some of the preachers were preaching against these things in the 1920s and 30s. I mean, these are things that, you know, the wise men that were in tune with God saw come upon the scene, and they started sounding the trumpet of warning about these things. But what we start seeing is we start seeing a culture shift. And a lot of that culture shift started in the 1950s and 60s. Predominantly, we think of 1963, when our Supreme Court voted to kick God out of our public school system. And that was a, that was a turning point. I believe that was uh, mankind shaking their fist in the face of God Almighty and said, God, we, don't, we want to publicly denounce you in our public school system. And by the way, you know what? For the most part, that's exactly what's happened. And I'm not saying there's not a pocket full of people that are trying to hold on and trying to do what they can. But as a whole, folks, our public education system is a mess. And then, of course, that led into the 1970s uh, as we've been, and we, we will preach on this and talk about this some, but it led to the uh, Roe versus Wade and the legalizing the sin of murdering children in their mother's womb. And by the way, that's exactly what it is. It's murder. Yeah, that's right. Amen. It's murder. 
And then, of course, that led to the, led to the sexual revolution of the 1970s. And on and on you can start charting this thing until we are in this crazy day and age we're living in, like I mentioned this morning, where people can't even figure what gender they are. I mean, what in the world is going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. It's going on exactly how God said it would go on when a nation and when a people started forsaking who God is. Right. By the way, America is a unique nation. It's unlike any other nation on this planet. Uh, of course, I've said this to you before. It's a statement we make around here. But there's no doubt about it. Genesis chapter 12, God chose Israel to be his chosen people. Abraham, the father of the Israeli uh, people. But you know what was interesting about America? God chose Israel, but America chose God. And you chart that all the way back to our founding and our forefathers. And this country was founded upon Christian principles. Amen. Bible principles. Were all of our forefathers born again Christians? Not all of them, but most of them. Most of them. And let me tell you, that's part of our history. In fact, the reason America became so great so quickly was because of the fact that our faith and trust was in God Almighty. And this country was built on Bible principles. Amen. You can't deny it. They're trying to erase that. They're trying to deny that. They're trying to try to, uh, uh, you know, that, that's why they, they hate this country, truth be told, because they hate the God of this country. They hate, they hate the, the way this country was founded. But as America was founded upon Bible principles, as we get further away from that, folks, that's why we see the decline of this nation. And it's a systematic plan, by the way. And uh, not just in America, but other parts of the world, but particularly we're seeing it happen in our own country. As we begin to deal with this, we need to understand this, and we need to understand how we can help people through this. Now let me just talk to you for a few moments tonight about this rise of atheism. The Bible says this in Psalms 14, verse 1, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, they have done abominable works, there is none that doeth good. Again, God says it again in Psalm 53, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And that word atheist, the word a or ah means no or non. Theist means one who believes in God. So an atheist, by its very definition, by its very wording, means a non-believer in God. And so it's no doubt that atheists have an opinion about God. Their opinion is well published, and their opinion is oft-touted. In fact, a, uh, a man named Hayward Brown, he's credited with this quote, no one talks more about God than those who claim to not believe in Him. That's right. And what you find out about atheists, they have an opinion about God. Their opinion about God is that God does not exist. What they fail to understand is that God has an opinion about them. God has an opinion about an atheist. Here's God's opinion. If you say there is no God, you are a fool. That's what God said. Amen? Very fair. Well, you know what? I don't think it's very, very fair, the, the opinion people have about God either. Amen? But let me tell you, folks, God has an opinion about everything. And God's opinion about an atheist that says this, if you don't believe in me, you're a fool. Amen? Now, why is it foolish to say there is no God? Let me just give you four simple things tonight. Why is it foolish to say there is no God? And why I want you to give this to you folks is so that you can understand the mindset of people that we're dealing with. I mean, listen, I run into them all the time. It's almost like a, a, a cultural fad to say you're an atheist. It's almost like it's, it's cool, it's hip to say you're an atheist. Well, let me tell you something. It's not very cool in the sight of God. Let me tell you why it's foolish to say in your heart there is no God. It's foolish, first of all, because of the knowledge 
of God available to every man. The knowledge of God that's available to every man. Did you notice what we read there in Romans chapter 1, the verse there, verse 18? It talks about because uh, that which may be known of God, listen to this, is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Listen, there is no excuse for those who declare their disbelief in God. No excuse whatsoever. You know why, folks? Several reasons. First of all, we talked about this morning, because mankind is formed by the hands of God. I mean, come on, how... How silly is it to think that something came from nothing? For example, this building we're sitting in tonight, okay? Nobody in their right mind believes that, you know, uh, I think this building was built uh, back in the 1950s, I believe, and, and I think that might be right. But nobody believes that in the 1950s, a tornado came through Princeton, and when it was uh, done coming through, boom, here sit this building right here on 112 Princeton. Nobody believes that. No, you know what? Just by looking at a building. You know what? You know what? You have to, if you start thinking, have to say, somebody had to design that building. Somebody had to organize in order for that building to be built. Somebody had to come here and labor and put the parts together and make a building be what it is. By the way, that is true about every single thing we use in this life. Everything you use today was manufactured from somebody from somewhere. By the way, it didn't start with manufacturing. It started with in the mind of the designer, right? Someone had to design it. Someone had to order it. Someone had to create it. Listen, that makes sense with the car you drive. That makes sense with the house you live in. How much more sense does it make with the body we live in? I mean, as complex as the body is. You think this just came from nowhere or came from nothing? Let me tell you something, folks. Let me tell you what's all over mankind. I said it this morning. The fingerprints of God Almighty. The fact that as you're sitting there, you're not even thinking about breathing. No one's thinking about that. No one's thinking to yourself, I've got to make my heart beat. 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 No one thinks that. It automatically does it. You know why? Because the designer designed it to do so. Amen? And mankind are formed by the hands of God. Not only that, mankind is made in the image of God. Amen? That is why mankind is different from all other, all other creation. Because we're made in the very image of God. Men are indwelt with the knowledge of His existence. Again, notice what it says there in verse 19. It says that that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. There is a, I call it this, I call it the God vacuum. There is an emptiness inside of every single person that's born to answer the life one questions everybody wants to know. How did I get here, and why am I here? And what happens to me when I leave here? Those are built-in questions that is part of our DNA because it's how God made us, because men are indwelt with the knowledge of God's existence. Not only that, how about this? Men are reproved by the Spirit of God. You realize part of the job of the Holy Spirit is to, the Bible says, is this, and we're not just talking about uh, those that are saved. He says in John chapter 16, talking about the Holy Spirit, and when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. How come people that live, that have never, never, values, that have no idea about the Bible, they still know it's wrong to steal your neighbor's wife? They still know it's wrong to steal. They still know that it's wrong to kill. And they've never had a Bible to teach them that. You know how? Because it's wired in. Amen? It's hardwired in their DNA. Not only that, men see God's eternal 
power and Godhead. You know what you see when you go out and look at the uh, look at the sky tonight, beautiful sunset out there. You know what you see when you see the sun rise in the morning? You know what you see as I talked about this morning, the, the stars uh, in the sky and all the things that they, you know what you're seeing? You're seeing the eternal power of, of the Godhead is what you're seeing. Because the Bible tells us that the invisible uh, things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. And nobody looks at that and thinks, that just came from nothing. That just came from a big boom somewhere. That just came over Billions and billions of years. Now, that's been ingrained in the hearts of people. But listen, that naturally, that's not say there's no God because the knowledge of God is available to every man. Number two, it's foolish to say there's no God because of the testimony of all creation. All throughout the Scripture, it's there. For sake of time, I'm not going to go there. Let me just read to you one passage of Scripture. Psalms 19, verse 1 through 6. The Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. My goodness, if you start studying... Um, uh, things of, uh, of creation and start studying things of uh, uh, of our earth biology and uh, how things are and how things uh, even out into the outer space and all how all that stuff works. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Uh, all that points to God. Listen, just the fact that planet Earth, think about this, just, just one simple fact and we're going to move on. Just the fact that we're far enough away from the sun, okay, that we don't all burn up. But yet we're close enough where we all don't freeze to death. How in the world can that just by happen chance happen? Listen, somebody had to put that there. By the way, even, even scientists who try to deny God, they can't deny some of this stuff. They know it's there, but, but they, they try to come up with other explanations because God forbid we say there was a God that created it all. Amen? But I'm going to tell you, folks, it's foolish because of the testimony of all creation. I mean, I can, we could talk illustration after illustration after illustration. Now, some people want to call, oh, that's just, you know, Mother Nature. No, it's not Mother Nature, it's Father God. Amen. <laughs> that's what it is. And it's foolish to not believe in God because of the testimony of all creation. Let's keep moving. Number three, it's foolish, come on now, don't miss this, because of earthly consequences. It's foolish to say there's no God. It's foolish to uh, claim to be an atheist because of the earthly consequences. I love this quote. I've said it before. You know what it is. No God, N-O. No God, N-O. No peace. No God, K-N-O-W. No peace. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. No man or woman or teenager or young person was ever intended to live this life without the strength and encouragement that comes by having faith in God. God never intended man to live life without Him. I mean, Im imagine this for just a minute, okay? A godless childhood. Godless teenage years, a godless um, early years of relationship, a godless marriage, godless parenthood, godless empty nest years, godless senior years, godless heartaches, teaching, or testings, trials, setbacks, disappointments, godless grieving, godless death. Let me tell you, that's what atheism produces, an empty life. Now listen, folks, whether you believe in God or not, life it's hard, okay? Whether you believe in God or not, you know what? More than likely, uh, people you, maybe people you love, are going to get sick. You're going to face disease. You're going to face uh, untimely deaths of loved ones. 
Listen, it's just called living on a sin-cursed earth, and it flat-out stinks sometimes. Now imagine going through all that without the hope and faith in God. Imagine that. I'm going to tell you, there's earthly consequences for not having your faith and trust in God. Here's some well-known atheists. How about this name? This gets toted a lot, or this name gets toted a lot uh, when referring to American history. Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine was a noted, uh, a noted atheist who wrote, wrote a book called The Age of Reason. He boasted that his so-called masterpiece would destroy the Bible. He went on to predict that within a hundred years, the Bible will be found only in museums or more or musty corners of second-hand bookstores. Pain become bedridden, a bedridden invalid until his death, friendless and alone in 1809 when he died. And guess what? The Bible still remains the best-selling book in the world. Amen? Here's a name from, uh, uh, again, uh, that gets taught, uh, toted around a lot, Voltaire. Voltaire was a noted 18th century French philosopher, and he predicted that he would destroy Christianity within 50 years. He spent his life writing essays purporting atheism. 20 years after his death, I love God's sense of humor. Amen. <laughs> 20 years after his death, the Geneva Bible Society purchased his house and used it to print and distribute Bibles. And here's what a volunteer said upon his deathbed, I wish I had never been born. There was a man devoted his life to atheism. You know what that's called? That's called life consequences. Here's a more modern name. Some of you um, may have heard this name. Madeline Murray O'Hare. She's the, uh, the infamous atheist whose lawsuit led to the public schools of America ousting the Bible in prayer. She was murdered, dismembered, and buried in an unmarked grave. Her son, William Murray O'Hare, later became a Christian. Again, how ironic is God? Amen. His description of his mother was this. When I was a young boy of 10 or 11 years old, she would come home and brag about spending the day in X-rated movie theaters in downtown Baltimore. My mother's whole life circulated around these such things. It was love of power over people that finally caused not only her death, but the deaths of my brother and my daughter because they were murdered, uh, there, the, the, the three of them were. My mother, here's what he said about his mother. My mother was an evil person. Not for removing prayer from America's schools. No, she was just evil. And that's the testament of a person who lived a life in trying to oust God and prove that God is not real and that God is not true. By the way, folks, it has earthly consequences, but most importantly, it has it's foolish to be an atheist because of eternal consequences. You realize there are no atheists in eternity? That's right. You realize that? God will allow you to believe what you want as you walk this earth because of his free because of your free will he's gifted you with. He'll allow you to do that. But I'm going to tell you right now, three seconds after you die, there is no more atheism. Notice here, very interesting. A lot of times people will ask me, you know, uh, sometimes people will say this. Well, if a person commits suicide, that automatically says hell. By the way, if somebody ever asks you that, let me tell you the answer to that. No. By the way, that's a Catholic doctrine, not a Bible doctrine. Okay, suicide doesn't automatically send you to hell. In fact, uh, here's the illustration I always use. Okay, some of God's servants, choices servants at one time committed suicide. You go to Hebrews chapter 11, you read the Hall of Faith. Okay, surprise, it really is a surprise. You know who's in that Hall of Faith? Samson's in the Hall of Faith. That's right. Okay, Samson committed suicide. 
Okay, so committing suicide does not send a person to hell. There's only one sin that sends a person to hell, and that is the sin of unbelief. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. talks about, by the way, I think it's interesting, how that right in the middle of the passage that talks about the New Jerusalem, the description of what it's going to be like in eternity one of these days, sandwiched right in the middle of that description is Revelation 21, 8. But, talks about the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, whoremongers, sources, adulterers, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Right in the middle of talking about heaven, God wants to remind us, as great as heaven is, that's how horrible hell is. And you know what ends people up in hell, the Bible says right here? It gives us a list of the things. And again, nothing's done by accident. God lists it that way on purpose. And the first sin that sends people to hell, it says, is the fearful. They're afraid. Afraid to be saved. Afraid of what it might cost them. Afraid of, oh no, what might I have to give up? Or what can I not do if I get saved? You know how many times I've heard people say that? Well, I'm just not ready yet. Because I want to do this and I want to do that. And I'm afraid if I get saved, I won't be able to do that anymore. People have literally said that to me. The fearful. But you know the next thing on that list right there is this? The unbelieving. Well, I just can't believe that. Well, you know what? Then you can take your unbelief and you can choose to live in your unbelief, but that unbelief will send you right to the lake of fire. Let me tell you something, folks. It's foolish to be an atheist because there's eternal consequence for it. John chapter 3, verse 15. Jesus sums it up pretty easy by saying this. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. Right before John 3, 16, right? But whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then he goes on to say, uh, of course, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth. You see that word? Believeth. What's it take to be saved? You've got to believe. Believeth. And Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I love what Jesus said in John three thirty six. He that believeth, there's that word again, believeth on the Son, hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Amen? And so, folks, listen, it's foolish because of eternal consequences to say, I don't believe in God. Again, folks, listen, it goes back to what I said this morning. Everybody has faith. It's just a matter of what your faith is in. Let me tell you, we're going to encounter, and we're going to see more of this. I mean, I literally know of of young people that at one time claimed to be Bible believers, at one time went to a good Bible preaching church just like this, at one time were involved in service to the Lord, but now as they got out in life, all of a sudden, you know what? We don't believe in God anymore. What a shame. What a foolish thing to proclaim. So folks, we're going to encounter this, and we're going to, uh, as we are living in these last days, this is going to be a part of what we have to deal with as we're dealing with people. By the way, let me just encourage you. Listen, you, you, you come across somebody's path that says they're an atheist, don't automatically write that person off. In fact, let me just give you real quick a little bit of a strategy on how to get right to the heart of the issue. If somebody tells you they're an atheist, here's what I always say to them. Tell me why you're an atheist. I can tell you why I'm a Christian. You tell me why you're an atheist. And let me tell you, almost every single time, you know what they're going to tell, tell you? They're going to tell you a story about something tragic that happened to them that they did not understand, and they blame God for that. And because God allowed that, then all of a sudden there must not be a God, or if there was a God, He wouldn't have allowed this to happen to me. 
That is the almost the verbatim story of every person that I've talked to that says they're an atheist. And there may be other people out there that say different things. I'm sure there are. But truth be told, folks, listen, it's not necessarily that they, uh, some of them, did, it's not necessarily they want to just be bad people. They've just been hurt and they've been deceived by the devil into thinking that God doesn't love them. Nothing will be further from the truth. By the way, folks, when something bad happens, it doesn't mean there's not a God. It just means that there's evil. Right, that's right. Right? Or maybe they'll say something like this. Well, if God was real, how could a loving God send a person to hell? Hey, how could a loving God not send a person to hell? Come on, folks, listen. Not punishment of sin and crime is letting people get by with that. And by the way, if you let somebody get by with something bad they've done, innocent people are always hurt. How about if it was your family that was killed by a drunk driver? Your wife and kids got hit by a drunk driver and killed by a drunk Would you want the judge to slap the drunk driver on the wrist and say, oh, he didn't really mean to do it? Would you want a loving judge to let off somebody who did harm to you? Of course not. In order for justice to be served, the crime must be paid for. In fact, it's so ironic to me. What they want to accuse God of, as far as not, they, they actually practice in their own lives. Now, folks, listen to me. Amen? Um, atheism... Uh, can be people can be saved out of that. In fact, you know what? Uh, some uh, uh, some of the people that we've reached lately at one time in their life claim to be an atheist. Amen. And so, folks, listen to me. We're going to deal with this. It's going to be part of uh, what we are dealing with in the last uh, uh, the, the last days we're living in. It's part of the mindset of the last days. Now, I brought this to you. So, number one, you can know how to help somebody else. But then, number two, so that listen to me now. Don't miss this. All right so that you will not allow atheistic mindsets to permeate your thinking as a Christian. Now, I'm not saying you may, you know, you would ever turn your back on God, but I'm surprised how many Christians that claim to be the children of God live by atheistic mindsets. You know what? Well, I, oh yeah, I believe in God. Really, how come he don't get first place in your life? Come on now. Oh, well, yeah, I, I'm a Christian. Really? How come you find every excuse not to be in the house of God if you're supposed to be there? And you know what? You may not shake your face, your fist in the face of God and say, I don't believe in you, God. You're not real. But I wonder how many times the life we live as Christians proves that we really don't truly believe God has number one place in our life. Amen? So let's guard against these things and let's make sure that we, as Christians, are prepared to deal with this as we start, as we're talking about the mindset of the last days. Let's pray. Lord, we love